Hey everybody, this is Eileen Email with In Phase In Tune with Autism Podcast. Here we'll discuss mindset, efforts to increase mind-body connection, and much more as it pertains to autism. My hope is that this information will reach those who need it and help provide a better understanding of the mind and body of someone with autism. Hi, everybody. I hope you're having a good week. Thanks for listening again. And today's episode is on presuming competence. Presuming competence, mindset, and practice I've been doing for the last three to four years in working with my clients, and it has been the best thing that I've done. And I'll share all about it in the episode. I did not listen back to the episode. I just didn't feel like it. Hopefully, it makes some kind of sense, and hopefully, I didn't say um too much. All right. Enjoy. Hey everyone, thanks for joining back in today. Today we're going to be talking about presuming competence mindset or practice. So what is presuming competence when it comes to nonverbal or non-speaking autistics? It's presuming that whatever age the child is, you assume that cognitively they would understand what that age child or person would understand. So if you're working with a three-year-old, you would assume that the three-year-old knows what a three-year-old would know. If you're working with a nine-year-old, you would assume that they would understand material that a nine-year-old would know and so on. So a seven or a nine-year-old, you would presume that they know their shapes and their colors and their fruits and their vegetables and you get it. So when it comes to this population, you're presuming competence in their cognition because as far as we know, we don't know where their cognition levels are. What we do know is if they're diagnosed with autism, most likely they have motor challenges from head to toe and they have sensory integration challenges or issues. So they have a hard time integrating and regulating their body with all the stimuli around sensory-wise. So when you're practicing this, and it is a practice because usually you're coming from a spot of not presuming competence in, in cognition and intelligent le- intelligence levels, which maybe you are, but for me and my career and my experiences, I came from not presuming competence. And... So what are some ways you can practice this? So you can practice this in the language that you use with your students or your children every day. So talk to them just like you would talk to any other typical person, but still keep their body challenges and their sensory challenges in mind. So always include them in the conversation and refer to them as you whenever you're speaking about them in the conversation and if they're in the room. Because for me, I know in clinic and whenever I did in-home therapy previously to whenever I worked at Recliff for the last three years and working under in-phase this year, um, I... And my coworkers, not meaning any harm and not speaking ill of the clients, but we would speak about the clients in front of them as if they weren't even there, as if they weren't picking up anything that we were talking about. Um, They might have been engaged in something else completely, but now I know 
that these clients, if they weren't listening to everything, I'm sure they were catching the majority of what we were saying. So it's switching to including the client in the conversation. So if you're talking about the behavioral plan of that client, you would say, well, we want to try this with you because we think that this would help you because of this. Um, if you're talking about their day, you could be like, today you did this. It looked like you were enjoying that, but I don't know. It seemed like you were frustrated when this happened. Um, things like that. Not like not presuming that you know everything going on in their mind, but kind of speaking to them and noticing what's going on with them and not just speaking about them he or she whenever they're sitting right next to you right so if i am working with a client and they're not coming to the therapy room or the therapy space a lot of times i'll try to just comment on what they're doing and so if they're maybe jumping around and screaming and you know maybe slapping on all the walls i'm just like giving examples here of things that i've worked with i'll be like okay so it looks like you're a little overstimulated right now you're you're jumping around it looks like you can't stay in one spot i'm not sure what's going on here in the in this space uh we do need to get to the therapy room and we do need to start working so we can gain some control um, I'm going to try to give your body a few minutes and on the count of three after a few minutes I want you to try to give me your hands just touch my hands we're going to walk to the therapy room and this sometimes takes a lot of time uh, sometimes it doesn't sometimes it works first time but it's using these prompts to help the body gain some control and it's speaking to the client about the struggle that they're going through and not just completely ignoring it and it's coming from a point of view of trying to understand and letting the client know hey I see you're going through something right now and because I mean they don't have typical bodies they, you can't just say hey let's go to the therapy room and, and then they'll just I mean sometimes a lot of times they do um, sometimes they can't just hop right up and walk to the therapy room because their body is consumed by something going on in the environment that we don't know about. I've just found this to be such a better way and just empowering to the client, I feel. I feel that always speaking directly to the client in whatever situation is going on and including them shows them, I include you. I, I include you as a full whole person even though you don't have the capability to speak and respond back to me as a typical person would I still include you and you're still a part of this and even if they can't show that they appreciate it I a thousand percent believe that they appreciate it and I, I'm thinking back to my very first ever RPM or rapid prompting method client and I'm going to have another episode on RPM and spelling to communicate or letter board uh, but that will come. I'll, I'll talk about what that is, but that's later. Um, so with my very first letter board client, I was switching to this mindset because the idea is, okay, you're going to present material that this person would learn at this age. So I think my client was eight. So it was like, I needed to present eight year old material, which material that we didn't know that he knew that he hadn't quote unquote mastered yet. 
and uh, this client supposedly wasn't able to sit at the table for ABA for more than like two to three minutes. He really didn't respond much to the programs that he had going on. So like the touch, touch red, touch blue, like the color programs or the sorting the cards programs. Um, I think he was beginning to respond, but for a, a long history of being like very unresponsive and, and um, he really didn't have any, any reinforcers, which is like rewards that, that people knew of. Like he didn't like the iPad. He, he didn't have any outside reinforcers that was like his thing. So he, he was kind of a, a tough case, I guess you could say. And whenever I got him as a letterboard client and we started speaking to him and instead of about him and we started uh, presenting material that he, an eight-year-old would learn. I mean, he was actually, a lot of times nonverbal autistic kids can't match their facial expressions to how they're feeling. He actually was pretty good at this, I feel, and he had great eye control. Like, I know a lot of these guys don't have eye muscle control. Like, he had great eye muscle control. Like, he was always giving great eye contact and, and, and lots of facial expressions. And whenever we were presuming competence and offering him material that that was of his age, you could see it in his face. He was so thankful and grateful and excited. And that was the best part. That was the best part. Uh, and this kid who apparently couldn't sit for more than two to three minutes at a table for ABA was right off the bat sitting 20 minutes the first week in spelling to communicate or RPM or letterboard. Sorry, there's just so many different names. It's still new. Um, he was in no time in a couple of weeks sitting 30 to 40 minutes at a time. And then he was, he was spelling out words on the boards and I was I mean I was in disbelief I was in disbelief because I didn't know if this kid knew his colors so it showed me whoa there's something to this there's there's definitely something to this presuming confidence I don't know what it was like who knows um you know he speaks fluently on the boards now and he told his parents for the most part in ABA it was lack of cooperation of his body he couldn't get his body to do what 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 it, people were asking it to do um and i think that when you present material that can be intriguing to the mind and you go in with the mindset of hey i'm gonna coach your body that i know doesn't always cooperate with you and I understand that and I know there might be something in the environment right now really messing with your system when you go in with that mindset and you already presume that you might know this material and you're listening to what I'm saying and I'm going to coach your body through this that the body will respond a lot better and a lot easier and then you can you can really hone in on some purposeful skills to build upon. So that's one of the reasons why it's so important and how you can do it just with the language you use and the material that you're presenting to the child or the client. And I'm not gonna say that this is always the case. I'm not gonna say that every single person who's diagnosed with nonverbal autism is cognitively at the level that 
that their age is i'm not gonna say that because you don't know and that's just it you don't know so they could be or maybe there is something extra neurological wise going on where there is a lack of cognition but you don't know and presuming competence can't hurt the situation it can really only help so a lot of times what I do try to practice is, and I'm not always great with this, but whenever I'm working with older ones, instead of saying, good job, like I try to say, hey, those hands are working better today. Look at, look at how your momentum is going in the right direction. Um, nice job picking up that foot right on time. Nice job keeping pace with me. Nice range of motion. Uh, so it's really commenting on what we're working on, right? We're working on the purposeful movement of their motor system because that doesn't come naturally to them. So that's what we're working on. So using that language too, like if you're, um, I have quite a few right now, like 12 and 13 year olds. And so if you're working with a 12 or 13 year old using language that you would use with like, if you were coaching like a 12 or 13 year old, but if you are working like with a little one, like my little girl, like three years old, um, so if I was working with a three-year-old, it would be like, nice job, you know, so good, wow. Just using the language that you would use for that age. So coming from that point of view of understanding or at least trying to understand, I think makes all the difference. And so that's kind of how you do it. It's like in the language that you use, right? And I'm going to reiterate again, the point of view that you're coming from with presuming competence is I'm working with a mind that is of whatever age the client that I'm working with, but they, they have motor challenges and they have sensory challenges. And that is like the point of view that I'm coming from. And I feel like it opens up a whole new way that you can interact with this child or this client. Okay, so why do we do this? I, you know, I always think of, besides all the benefits, right? And why do it even if you don't know? So let me tell you why to do it even if you really don't know if the child is cognitively that age. So I've worked with clients, especially at Recliff, which is a fitness-based therapy center in Atlanta. You should look it up, it's amazing. Um, so I've worked with clients there where for months, I would be like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're making progress. I don't know if he really understands or if she really understands what I'm saying. I don't know if their body is really responding to what I'm saying. And it would be like almost like a test of like my like faith and belief in them type thing. But I'd be like, I, I just don't know. And then usually right after that I would I would right after I'd have that thought to myself something in our next couple of sessions would prove to me that hey they were listening they are starting to respond their body is starting to you know get on board with what we're doing here they're just dealing with you know whenever sometimes I would get these 14 and 15 year olds who their whole life nobody had presumed competence in their cognition and they'd been doing ABCs for a long time and colors for a long time and lining up and sitting in circles for a long time. And, um, you know, I think they were up against long conditioned motor responses and a lack of 
somebody understanding them and what was going on with them. They were dealing with anxiety and frustration of people presuming that they knew nothing when really they just could not control their body. And there was so much frustration there and so, so much lack of control of their body because nobody had practiced it with them. Nobody had practiced them moving their arms in a purposeful way or keeping their head up in a purposeful way or or anything like that um so i think that this is something that needs like purposeful movement practice and controlling that body and bringing presuming competence mindset in for this population is something that needs to be brought into the schools and it has been in lots of different schools like in california and in new york whenever i went to get certified under soma which is the lady who's come up with RPM or the letterboard method, you know, these schools in California and New York, they were paying for their teachers and their teachers' aides to go get this certification. And everyone there already knew and already presumed that these people um, with autism just had sensory and motor issues. They didn't they didn't think that these people were low cognitive wise and didn't understand like they already were in the loop with this and I was like amazed I was like whoa because I mean this was just the very beginning for me whenever I went to get certified I didn't know and as far as I knew I didn't realize that all my clients that I had previously worked with were you know capable cognitive wise and were understanding everything going on around them I really didn't and so this is something that is is not widespread enough yet. This is why I'm doing this. And um, anyways, it just makes all the difference when you're presuming competence and you're practicing it, it makes all the difference in the interactions as a therapist or as a parent. But I mean, it does take practice, especially if you've been doing it another way for so long. But a lot of these times are uh, these people with nonverbal autism, their display of behavior, which I've talked about in another episode, is due to something going on in the environment or a dysregulation with their motor system and their sensory system, or it could be due to frustration of not being understood, right? I mean, it's, I'm sure it's all all of the above, and I've heard from my clients that it that it is all of the above sometimes. So anyway, back to whenever I'd be having my doubts working with some of my 15-year-olds who had just come in for the first time for physical fitness or uh, letterboard sessions, and I'd be like, "Oh gosh, I just, I just don't know." Then it would turn around. Then they would start, they would start spelling more accurately and more accurately. We'd get to do more and more material each time. They would start moving in a more purposeful way and everything you know the time that we're able to work their tolerance increased and it'd be like wow it, it would blow me away it would blow me away so though it may not be the case for everyone diagnosed with autism like I said for me and everyone who I've worked with so far like 98% of the people have been able to show me that they are very much the age they are uh, inside in the mind and that they're capable and they understand that you're just dealing with a tough sensory and motor system. So, so again, why are we doing this? You know, with my psychology background, I've always been interested in perspectives and how 
how things affect people psychologically, like always have just been interested in that. And so with presuming competence mindset and practicing it for the last couple of the couple of years, I've often had the thought of, um, you know, what type of psychological effects does this have on a client? Um, you know, if they are of sound mind, but their body isn't working and they're not able to show us that they're of sound mind and we treat them as if they're, um, you know, very simple and don't understand much for years and years and years, you know, what kind of psychological effects does that have on a child? And, you know, I think of, I think of myself and I'm sure everyone who's listening to this can relate to this. How many times in your life as a child or even now, when you have you said something that you've felt that other people didn't understand that they misunderstood or you did something and other people around you didn't understand it and you have a working sensory system and motor system and you can speak but you still felt misunderstood so think about these guys who literally cannot communicate to us what is going on with them can you imagine how misunderstood they they might feel? And this is not to, I'm not saying this to like throw shame in any way. I'm just saying like, hey, like this is a good thing for us to think about. Let's open up and think about this a little bit. And how might they feel more understood if I'm speaking to them the age that they actually are? And what hurt can it do? It can probably only help, right? So I feel like it gives them this, this empowerment of, okay, thank God they understand that I know what my colors are, you know, and I, and they know, they understand that I do know my numbers and that I can do math and all the things. Like if somebody's treating them with that point of view, like the relief they might feel, you know? Because if somebody believes in you and you know that they believe in you, aren't you going to have a much easier time responding? And you know, that goes back to what I was saying in one of my other episodes about intention and how intention is everything. You know, this might sound completely crazy to people, but I think these guys can see energy and in a different way. Not actually maybe see it with their eyes, but it's almost like, their sensory sense system takes in energy in a different way. And a lot of times we all presume, hey, we have the physical world, we have our body, we have this you know, table that's right in front of us and all we have is this physical world. Well, actually, no, you have the physical world and everything in between and there's waves and energy all in between you and there's energy that fills up your body and there's energy that's coming out of my voice right now and I think more than anything, these guys can see it and sense it. I mean, I've had kids and I've read about this, um, nonverbal autistics being able to see music. Okay, so they, they are so sensitive to energy in a way that we can't understand. And so if you're practicing coming from this point of view of, hey, I believe in you, I wanna have a good relationship with you, I wanna make progress with you and build real skills, and I believe that you're smart. If you're coming from that, they can absolutely feel that. And they might not be able to respond in that moment in the way that you want them to. But I think over time, this will help their system out. Because they're like, whew, okay, 
they they get me and an example of this is uh i was working with a client he was like a first time letterboard client um in georgia and he was i think like 17 or 18 or maybe even older than that um but we had started doing letterboard for a while and then he finally started having conversations back and forth it was going great and so mom started to come in and i started doing parent coaching with mom and when you know whenever he was spelling with me it was like point 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 spell 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 super easy super lax and then when we'd switch mom would come and sit and uh his his frustration levels would go up he would start you know flapping he would start like saying verbal stems and not not throwing shade on mom i'm saying this to give an example of intention and energy and how these guys are sensitive to it and this i've seen this multiple times by the way um so it's not what this one one instant um so it was like because mom was nervous and like maybe she, you know she had been working with him in a certain way her whole her whole life and so it was hard to switch over and he's like feeling all of that right and again not throwing shade on mom for me i know that my baby girl she probably didn't sleep well as a little a little baby because i had so much anxiety and you know it's just that like how we feel will affect the people around us especially these guys so anyways i think they're doing great now i think mom's spelling with him now on the boards and they're doing great but it's just an example of how you're carrying yourself and the energy that you're sitting in will affect especially these guys these children these adults because they are so sensitive to the world around them i mean how we carry ourselves affects everyone right but especially these guys so practicing that presuming competence and it will come easier and easier as you keep on practicing it and um just intention in general right like if if you're okay so i'm a dancer let's say you're a dancer and you're going to perform at a show and all the people around you are like you know i actually don't know if you can do that i don't know if you can remember that dance i don't know if your body's gonna do the steps right and i don't know if you can do that but uh you know good luck see if you can do it you know, you probably go on stage like being like so nervous, like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. Nobody thinks that I can do this. But if people around you are like, you know, I know you can do it. I know you can do it. You're going to do an awesome job. And you know what? Even if you don't, it's fine. You'd probably go up there and be like, okay, cool. Let's have fun, you know? So same thing with our clients. If we come like just from the mindset of not presuming competence, like, you know, testing a child with testing a child who's like seven who should know their letters um you know putting out a couple of letter cards in front of them and being like touch a but their body they don't go to touch a because maybe they can't initiate movement right in that moment and then we're just like touch a and they're not touching a they're not responding like a typical person would so are we going to just assume well okay let me pick up the cards they don't know a or let me go ahead and make their hand touch a this is a this is a you can't you should presume that a seven-year-old knows what knows what their letter letters are right they've probably been exposed so just coming in with that intention you know how 
how sensitive these guys are to energy. If you come in with that intention, you know, he's seven. He probably definitely knows his letters. So, all right, bud, touch the letter A. Can you get that hand to touch letter A for me? And, um, and maybe he would have a lot easier time touching A. So, cause maybe he wouldn't be so nervous. Maybe he'd be like, okay, this person understands. This person knows that I'm having a tough time initiating movement and, uh, and they know that I know my letters. Um, but anyways, I feel like I'm kind of trailing off here, getting a little redundant. Uh, that's basically it. Presume competence. It makes a world of a difference, but it takes practice. So just a few things to remember. Always include the client in the conversation. You know, you can refer to them as you. And always come from the point of view that you are talking to a sound mind that just has some body and sensory challenges. And yeah, I think that is about it. If you have any questions or if you want to talk to me at all, I'll list all of my information in the show notes below. You guys have a good day.